welcome to Gadgets, a podcast from Gizmodo where we woman-splain the latest technology. I'm your host, consumer tech reporter Florence Ion, and I'm joined this week by everyone. Please give a warm welcome to our brand new co-host, consumer technology deputy editor, and my new overseer, Michelle <laughs> Earhart. <laughs> Hi, Flo. How are you? I'm good, and I hope I didn't butcher your last name because although I know how to say one phrase in German, I unfortunately butchered your last name a couple times, so I apologize for that, Michelle. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, You know, I can't even speak German. My family has, like, so much uh, agita about that, but... uh, (laughs) Listen, the only thing I know how to say is uh, bitte, mein Deutsch ist schlecht, which I think means, please, my, my German, German is bad. My German is bad, yeah. Yes, it's just like... That's uh, that's about it for me. I did know, like, my family had, like, one prayer in German. They liked me to say after meals, and I had a meeting with them recently, and they were like, can you say it still? And I can say, like, come Herr Jesus, and it's so funny to call him Herr, but it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, it's Earhart, like the pilot. No, I'm not related. <laughs> oh, why did I not make the connection of Amelia Earhart? Oh my goodness. I'm actually glad you didn't because I am so tired of people making that connection, like, because I'm not related at all. Um, and I don't know what to say. I don't know a lot about Amelia Earhart, but, you know, brave pilot, brave editor. So maybe there's a connection there. Uh, If it makes you feel better, that's the same for me and Florence Nightingale, which Uh... not a nurse. I'm not a nurse. (laughs) I'm a journalist. I can't can't help you with your sutures. You you heal Android (laughs) for the people. Uh, Well, Michelle, I want to introduce you you to everyone today. And I kind of wanted to ask, like, do you want to tell everybody where do you come to us from? Yeah. Uh, so hi, everyone. I'm Michelle Earhart. Uh, you may have read my previous work in Tom's Hardware, uh, where I covered a lot of gaming peripherals and laptops for a while. Uh, prior to that, I kind of bounced around a bunch of places. If anyone remembers Kill Screen, that was a, a cool mm. little indie gaming bag. Yes. That mm-hmm. I, uh, I have one right here, nice. the physical copy. I got, I got my, well, I got my start at Out Magazine where I did like gay stuff for a while. Um, and then I moved to Kill Screen where I did do gay stuff still. Um, <laughs> just like also video games. And, and Flo is showing her Kill Screen magazine on the camera. I mostly work for the website, but we totally did have a print magazine that was a uh, super fun to show to people at events and whatnot. It was, it was, gosh, I really miss, I, I do. I have a fondness for the print era because that's what I thought I was going to do after college. And then I graduated during the recession and everything changed like with the drop of a hat. And then it was like, okay, everybody go online. (laughs) Paper doesn't exist anymore. I was talking to my aunt recently uh, about this new job that I got at Gizmodo. And she's like, what's Gizmodo? Do you guys like Mm -hmm. she's completely computer illiterate. She's like, what's Gizmodo? Is it like a magazine? And I said, no, it's online. It's a website. She's like, so do you like come out once monthly or and I'm like, oh, my God, I wish. (laughs) Can you imagine how much like less pressure we would have on us? I know only one week out of the month we would have to like do, you know, the steady <laughs> filing. 
but I, I love keeping up with the readers. I love keeping up with, with the news and getting things out to y'all as fast as possible. So it's, it's a, it's a good kind of stress. Well, I want to ask you some very quick, like rapid fire questions again, just to get people to understand who you are. Uh, before we get into today's episode, first of all, I want to ask, what kind of phone do you use? You're staring daggers into my eyes right now. <laughs> so you're going to hate me because I used to use the Google Pixel Generation I know. 1. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I have moved on to an iPhone 11, and it is so much better and nicer. And of course, obviously, because it's a major generational leap, and that Pixel was super deprecated at that point. But everything is just like quicker and easier and it has apps. Part of the reason I used to use Android is because it had apps that iPhone does not. And now I feel yeah. like that's a uh, swapped around. And unless you have some stuff like, you know, you want to do Epic or any of the gaming things, mm -hmm. uh, iPhone typically is a safer bet to have apps than, uh, than Google now. I know. This is a thing that I'm sure you and I will get into in a future episode because we have so much more consumer tech coming. My next question for you is, do you use a mechanical keyboard? I do use a mechanical keyboard. So at home, I have a Corsair K70, I want to say Pro. Okay. Uh, it's got cherry okay. reds. It's a 10 keyless. Um, I mm -hmm. got it for gaming back when I was decking out my rig for Overwatch, but uh, now I write way more often than I game uh, because I'm older now, and uh, it's it's nice for gaming. I did use a Razer Huntsman at my last job with uh, optical uh -huh. switches, which uh -huh. were still like I have good enough for gaming, but they were also like much nicer for writing than the cherry red. So I'm mm -hmm. looking at getting like a a keychron now with maybe browns and sort of splitting the difference. Hmm. You and I should talk after this podcast because, uh, uh, you know, I might have a keychron here Ooh. too that's taken up some space in my gadget closet. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to get free stuff, people. <laughs> <laughs> it's only for us here at the, co at the co-worker space. Okay, everybody, please do not email me asking for things because that's not how it works <laughs> yeah, it's here. it's very fair. Um, I'm special. Yes. Exactly. And also Michelle edits me. So I'm buttering her up. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Michelle, last question. Are you on TikTok? I am not on TikTok. I do. I, I'm still a, you. a YouTube boomer, I guess. I still watch YouTube uh, rather than TikTok. Uh, sometimes I will go to TikTok for like a cute animal video. And that's about it. Uh, I don't make content for anything other than Twitter and very occasionally Twitch. Mm, another thing that I really hope that we will get into soon. Soon. Okay, well, let's get into today's episode then. So today, Michelle and I are going to talk about what is going on with the Netflix. The numbers are not looking good. Mm -hmm. And but we're not going to just just discuss hard numbers. We're going to discuss how Netflix is also trying to deter you from sharing your passwords with friends, which I know some people listening right now <laughs> are freaking out about I had a panic thing. attack when I saw that this morning, <laughs> but we'll get into that Let's, later. Exactly. Um, then we're going to have on our honorary do-jet, Philip Tracy is going to come on to talk about his new column, What Gadgets Should You Buy? And Phil's going to help us answer some questions from you listeners that you have sent in from the internet. And then finally, Michelle, we're going to get to know each other a little bit more by talking about something that you and I both share an affinity for, anime. <laughs> nice. 
I knew just that I would anime. <laughs> every job that I work in, regardless of whether it's anime or not, I find some way to like sneak in some anime coverage. I go rogue. I like to go rogue. Oh well, in I feel like Michelle, you've been editing me long enough now. What like a week and a half that you've seen I sneak in Pokemon any way that I can. Oh, so yeah. we are. Yeah, we've got some sh- shared cloth, which I feel <laughs> we should. But until our last little segment, let's take a quick little break and head into Netflix. Michelle, are you watching anything on Netflix currently? I have to ask. Am I watching anything on Netflix? Uh, not currently. No. Well, oh, no. Actually, I am watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and like, trying to binge through it before it gets pulled off and goes to Paramount Plus, which I have no idea when or if that's going to happen, but I know they're trying to make Paramount the Star Trek thing. So that's my big Netflix project right now. Aside from that, (laughs) like, I haven't watched a Netflix original since, like, uh, Doro Hidoro a while back, which is an anime. Uh, That's pretty much all I subscribe to Netflix for right now is sometimes they get some anime licenses that like Crunchyroll and whatever don't. Okay, this is perfect. Wonderful segue that we have going in here. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, Netflix is not doing so hot in its numbers. And uh, the reason I asked you what you're watching is because I personally have not gone over to Netflix to see anything. My friends have been like, oh, you need to watch Love is Blind Japan. It's so great. And I'm like, okay, not really into it. I'm watching like three other reality shows on three other streaming apps right mm-hmm. now. Um, and Netflix just doesn't take precedence for me. My husband has been watching The Witcher because I told him, I said, go watch it without me. I am, I've got other things keeping me right now. Oh, right. I did watch The Witcher. Um, I hope my boyfriend doesn't listen to this podcast, which he probably will. I watched it mostly for him. Uh, <laughs> so as far as things that that interest me. Netflix has been lagging behind a little bit for a while. I agree. But part of the reason, and I know there's people out there sharing accounts, let's be real here, mm-hmm. but part of the reason that I still kind of like keep Netflix on my mind is because of the K-dramas and the anime that they have on there. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the the it's a great place now to go and find like international streaming titles that you can't really find elsewhere. But the problem is that that's kind of niche and where Netflix is right now is it's competing with, as you said, Paramount, which is reigning in the Star Trek franchise. Um, Let's see what else we've got. HBO just announced, you know, Degrassi just started streaming on there. (laughs) Degrassi! Yeah, I'm working through it right now. Uh, I've been trolling our resident Canadian, Andrew Luzuski, <laughs> asking Degrassi him like every morning. Canada's greatest <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but all right. So I guess the hard numbers, um, 200,000 subscribers have led the platform as of the latest letter to shareholders from Netflix. And that's actually kind of troubling when you think about how Netflix was It's kind of always been this streaming giant, right? It was the original one to say streaming is a model that will work. And now, even though analysts had expected that they would gain 2 million numbers, they ended up sort of faltering. And the company is projecting that the customer base is going to continue to shrink through to the next quarter down to 
less than 220 million subscribers. Right now, it was hovering around 221. So that's like not good. No, I, not good. <laughs> I want to root for Netflix because I remember when Netflix was the only streaming service and it was like genuinely way cheaper than anything else because every, everything was on Netflix. And now like as we get more services, companies are like, oh, more choice, more options. But what it means actually is everything is now sitting in its own little home behind its own little paywall. And we've just recreated cable through a different medium. And, you know, that that's going to happen when they, you know, find that Netflix is going to be profitable. Uh, it's just so funny to try to see this spun as like a good thing for people. Um, when no, I remember watching Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix, yes, and then moving on to watching Scrubs, I think, on Netflix, and just mm -hmm. all of these different things from all of these different uh sources and genres. And now I only go to Netflix for a couple of specific things, which is like anime that they've licensed that I can't get elsewhere, which is very niche. Um, but that's the like one original thing that they have that I'm super interested in right now. And then, like, things that I can't find on anywhere else, um, which is not a great position to be in, especially now that HBO Max has come out and has such a huge catalog of great non-original stuff. Michelle, HBO is, like, the prestige app in our household because they keep pushing through all the Warner Brothers movies. Mm -hmm. And I'm still not going to the theater because I still have an unvaxxed kid at home. So I'm kind of, like, still staying at home for the big feature presentations, which is making that extra $15 I spend because I, I pay for it on top of YouTube TV, which is 65 bucks. So I'm paying as much as cable, but I find all of that worth it Versus the Netflix, which let me be clear now, I am sharing with other loved ones in my circle because of the fact that all of us just sort of piecemeal get what we need from Netflix. There's not one of us that's just like, oh, God, this is where I get. Maybe my mom. She's really into like Ozark. She's so excited for it to come back. That's the funny thing. I am like, I'm not necessarily the, the user. I don't use other people's Netflix account. I am the dealer. I am like running <laughs> the password. I am the ex-uncle whose uh, password is being shared by a bunch of different people. So Netflix is going to come after me. So if I'm not on next week's episode, you'll know what happened to me. <laughs> Yeah, Netflix is actually blaming password leechers for some of its loss in subscribership. But again, I if you don't have the content that people want to pay for, you're losing the incentive. Um, I am wondering if Netflix could possibly save itself with a little bit more international appeal. Because I noticed when I went overseas a couple of years ago, when I was in Romania for the Christmas holiday, the holiday season. And that was the only streaming service that I got there <laughs> that would allow me to stream on a Romanian IP address. And I was really like, this whole world of Romanian movies and TV shows open to me that I do not have access to here. Mm -hmm. And so once in a while, I'll hop on VPN and I'll go <laughs> into, yeah, an international IP and I'll get myself some, you know, other language content with subtitles. And so I'm just sort of thinking about that, if that's something that could help save 
some of Netflix's, you know, because it feels like in the U.S. they might stop growing. Yeah, that's the thing is actually if you look at their revenue, I think they got ten, they grew by 10 million in revenue, but they lost subscriber count, which points to like scary things for their future, even if the company's mm-hmm. in an okay uh, spot right now. And there's a number of different things that could lead to that. Um, there could be the competition, but to be honest, aside from like the occasional original series, I don't care about Disney Plus that much. Uh, I don't care about Paramount Plus. It's really specific. Uh, HBO Max is awesome and is the best streaming app that exists right now, in my opinion. But uh, despite I- the lack of picture in picture on Android, I just want to say <laughs> it's, a, it's a big annoyance for me. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what could be the cause of these Netflix problems. Uh, they also say they might just have reached market saturation, which I agree uh, could be. Well, no, you're shaking your head right now. Well, I'm just shaking my head at that. Like, well, I guess we reached everybody we could reach. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, how many I pe- just, people you know, know about Netflix by now, right? If you want Netflix, you probably have Netflix by now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing it's with true. all of these services that I wonder is like, who doesn't know? Who needs to have Disney evangelized to them? But I do have Disney Plus, but it became an inevitability after having a kid because it's like there's a bunch of stuff on there for her. I am surprised by how quickly I got tired of Disney content. They're like, oh, it's everything we own. I'm like, well, Disney owns everything. So I have feelings about that, but the app should have good content, right? But it's like, well, how many times am I going to watch a Disney movie? I'm not one of one of those people, I guess. Let me tell you, though, paying for all of those streaming services and then also paying for cable as I do. And I kind of justify this to myself because, you know, it's the nature of our jobs to just like have our hands in every single honeypot. But um, I've noticed cable will give me all the Disney I need because they own so many franchises. Mm-hmm. Like if you go on FX, they're showing a Star Wars movie every single weekend. So Empire Strikes Back is, is always on. <laughs> so, uh, it, they'll show, um, you know, the Freeform will always have a Disney movie on every Friday night. So you'll get the animated movies or a Pixar movie anytime. So it's like there are plenty of ways to get this stuff in and out. And then when I think of Netflix... I think of these originals Mm -hmm. and I think about, I don't really want to watch Love is Blind. I'm already watching all of what's on Bravo and E and TLC. And it's like, I can't, I'm just so American, like, (laughs) Love is Blind is like a reality thing. But like, I feel like Mm -hmm. reality TV shows and American prestige TV are like, so done to death across all of these streaming services that that like more uh you know niche stuff like anime or that like stuff you can't get elsewhere like the international programming mm-hmm. is a really cool uh avenue for them to grow and, and do something different because like netflix doesn't mm-hmm. have the draw that it's just like I'm Netflix, but Disney, I'm Disney Plus, or I'm Netflix, but Warner yeah. Brothers, I'm HBO Max. It's just like, I'm the place where you go to stream online content. It's like, that's not unique anymore, Netflix. You need something, right? Yeah, otherwise, Netflix is going to use uh, lose its place in the fang. Yeah. So we'll see fang? how their subscriber count grows. Maybe they need more content. Maybe they need to crack down on passwords. I really hope not the latter, because then I'll have to change my name and move. But uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Yeah.
else. Well, I feel like that's a good spot for us to kind of stop on. And we're going to take a little bit of break and go call in Phil. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Well, joining us now is our honorary Dujet, Philip Tracy. Hi, Phil. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Hi. Thanks for being here. We are having you here, though, with an agenda. Yes. And that is because we want to tell everybody about your new column, which is called, What Gadget Should I Buy? Yes. I promise that... It's more interesting than I, I put. There's more creativity in the actual writing than there is in in the title of the series, um, but it's pretty self-explanatory. What gadget should you buy? In this column, we help readers, individual readers who fill out a questionnaire, find the right gadget for their needs. So I have a form, and if anyone is listening or if anyone reads Gizmodo, they can fill out this form. Basically, asks. It asks pretty basic questions about the type of gadget you're looking for, things like what's your budget, what type of gadget, do you have any brand preferences, all these sorts of things to help the folks at Gizmodo find the perfect product for you. I then mm -hmm. turn that right. into a little article, share with our readers what it is this person's looking for, and outline basically, here's what's in the market right now, here's the one I'd buy and maybe a few other alternative options that are worth looking at. I'm going to link to the form in the show notes for anybody who's interested. Phil does a really great job of tackling these weekly so far. And Phil, you've covered, let's see, new Mac for content creation. Anybody out there looking for that? A smartwatch for work. That one, I think you and I went back and forth on for a little bit, uh, talking about that one. A reliable Chromebook for a kid. Aww. Which is a thing on a lot of parents' minds. And then I think I can promo this one. Uh, coming up, you are helping somebody buy a phone that can take pictures at shows. Yes. Well, I'm yes. helping, but actually we're helping because... We're helping. I like to take the, all the credit, but really um, <laughs> it's, it is a collective... Uh, it's It's... Everyone in the consumer tech team at Gizmodo helps. Uh, of course, we all have our own beats, our own expertise. So I will tap Flo, Michelle, whoever is, is whoever knows the most about the the topic to um, mm -hmm. to help with the with the recommendations. So again, so Flo, mm -hmm. you've helped with the uh, the smartwatch one, and also with this smartphone for. Primarily for taking photos at concerts, something in the budget to mid-range price segment. And I think that you and I fun. actually agreed. <laughs> we, I think we both kind of immediately went to the same product. 
Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that's going to be a good one. Please read that one when it goes up. I will also link to the landing page in our show notes so you know where to go to find that. But today we're not going to just go through the articles that Phil has written. Phil, me, and Michelle are going to answer your live questions that have come in recently just to kind of show you that if you need to rely on us for some buying advice that we are here to help you. Let's do this. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So our <laughs> our <Woo>! first uh, <laughs> thank you, Michelle. Our first query comes in from Robin. Now remember, if anybody like has a question for us, gadgets, you can send us an email at gadgets at gizmodo.com. It goes to all of us here on staff. We will see it. And so this question is asking. Um, I have a question. I cannot find a good answer for on the internet. This one comes from Robin. I'm trying to find Wi-Fi controlled lighting, which I can command via Google Voice and which runs on a five gigahertz Wi-Fi system. Everything I have seen in my local stores has only been a 2.4 gigahertz compatible bulb. I have even tried to download something from Amazon and that also ended up being only 2.4 gigahertz. I think that means to say bye. Can you suggest a brand of controllable light bulbs that will run on five gigahertz now this one kind of comes more from my realm because it's a smart home question but i and I, I hate to say this because i have a box of smart bulbs behind me that i need to like go through and really check out the different apps that you can use for them but guys i still feel like Philips hue is the one to put on your network i'm sorry i know it's really expensive do you guys have smart bulbs? <laughs> Phil I has do smart not. Bulbs. I know very, <laughs> I know very little about smart homes. I live in New York. I change apartments like every year. I do have one question about this question, which is: Is there a situation where someone would like have access to five gigahertz and not two point four gigahertz? Don't most routers that put out five gigahertz also put out two point four gigahertz? Yes. So just very quickly for the uninitiated, I realize this is very jargony, which we do try to stray from a little bit here. But so every router allows you to output a 5 gigahertz connection or a 2.4 gigahertz connection. 2.4 gigahertz is a little more, um, I don't want to say antiquated. It's just an older band. Anybody who has like baby monitors in the house, 2.4 that those run on a 2.4 gigahertz connection just to kind of give you an idea of what that is. 5 gigahertz is what you need to get the current full speeds of Wi-Fi. 6 gigahertz is coming into the tech zeitgeist right now, but we're not going to we're not going to do this to uh, confuse you all. What you need to know for smart home is 2.4 versus 5. The problem is some routers don't let you access the 2.4. Like it'll say that it'll do automatic switching between 5 and 2.4, but you really need to have two separate networks to get a smart home device set up appropriately. And this is something that I've run into a lot. And this is something that makes it really hard for me to give buying advice to my friends who are doing smart home things because I have to explain to them the super jargony like you need to take this into consideration when you bring something to your home. Last week, we did a whole episode on Matter. I'm kind of hoping that it'll help a little bit with some of the setup process so that people don't have to think about it. 
So we'll see. But when it comes to buying Smurl bulbs for now, I still say to buy Philips Hue because they've just, you know, worked it down to a science. So. I know I'm plugging my series or anything, but I, I have more questions than I have answers for this one, which is why we have Flo here to save us. Um, but it does <laughs> seem like 2.4. I mean, I guess you could turn that off on your router and then, you know, obviously you, you'd look to five, uh, five gigahertz for, for this sort of application, but it seems like 2.4 with the wider range matter, maybe lower power, that sort of thing would be the better option to begin with. And then you could put your other devices that require the five gigahertz band, things like desktops and TVs and stuff. Not, you know, you don't want to clog your, clog your network, right? That's how I've historically done it. I, I mean, I, I assume the reader has a good reason, maybe yeah. whatever reason their 2.4 gig thing is uh, filled up. But yeah, if I were buying a smart bulb, I'm like, oh man, I'm really worried about this red, this change to a red light being super laggy. I'm going to go full five gigahertz on it. But you I, would I be don't surprised. know. Well, you, you say that, you, yeah. There, so I have um, out. In my family room, I have TP-Link Casa outlets, which I use because I have a bunch of like salt lamps around the house because I'm ridiculously California. And um, they are on the 2.4 gig network. (laughs) They're slower actually to turn on with a voice command than the Philips Hue bulbs. So it's it's like a very anecdotal thing, but... um, the ping back to the server, like the people who want instantaneous results, and I get it because I am that person, you know. Oh my gosh, I wish we could go even deeper into this though, because this <laughs> stuff is like, yeah. Let's let's uh let me table this, dear listener. I really appreciate you reaching out. You are actually the listener who wrote into the email. So thank you, Robin, for writing that in. And um thank I you. hope to address your question even more in an upcoming smart so roundup that I'm working at. <laughs> All right, this next question I think I'm going to need Phil's help with, um, specifically because, Phil, I know that you and I are both Plex users. I'm not a Plex user. Familiar with it, though. You're familiar with it. Okay. Plex, I wrote about it recently. Again, it's a super nerdy thing, but it is, if you've got somebody in your life that and you're not into setting it up, it might be the thing to save you from the streaming wars going on right now. It basically lets you create your own like home media server and you can choose, by the way, there's other reasons to use Plex. You can use it for podcast crawling. You can use it for uh, free TV. Like if you want to find some free TV to watch, you can now use it as a search engine to see what's streaming and other apps. And I'll link to my article on that in the show notes. But for somebody who wants to create a Plex server at home, they're asking, should they get a NAS, which is a network attached storage drive? Or should they get a PC tower that has hard drives in it? Yeah, I think hmm. you and I are split on this. Uh, one of the arguments for not getting a NAS is that they can run up in price. Um, and the functionality is pretty limited. I mean, they're meant for something like this and not much else. Whereas a lot of people already own PC towers. Maybe they have an old one sitting around that they could just use. I mean, Plex doesn't need, you don't need a Core i9 necessarily to run everything. But I feel, th- th- so... The the on the other on the other hand the the big argument for using a NAS is that you, this this thing has to be basically kept on twenty four seven if you want to access your media whenever you want to access your media um, mm-hmm. and 
keeping a desktop on 24 seven is, um, expensive because that requires yep. a lot of, a lot of power. Um, so I am team NAS because you can get something like the Synology two bay NAS for 300 bucks. It's tried and true. The $300 one? I thought it was a $600 one that was tried and true, or at least it was last time I looked at it. I think I'm team NAS as well. I don't really? know. Yeah, I can't see myself buying spinning discs in this day and age. They're going to break more quickly. They do give you more storage for cheaper. Um, but, you know, it's it, it depends on how much you need to put on your Plex server. I... Well, we're running our Plexer off of my husband's desktop upstairs. It's really fun when his computer is off and I want to watch something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, trudge upstairs, get the UB key, log into his PC, <laughs> get everything <laughs> like mm -hmm. just so I can watch my freaking SoapNet like versions of 90210 because I want to watch with the original music instead of the ones they put on the DVDs. Yes, but. Like Phil said, we actually I actually like it because it's off when I'm not using it, so I feel like I'm saving money, even though I'm not, because I'm just streaming from some cloud somewhere for some third party that I pay for. Ah, uh, this the home media server is it's such a beautiful, like nerdy thing that I wish would catch on a little more mainstream, <laughs> but mainstream, it's because of yeah. this that it does not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of variables here that can switch this argument from one way or the other. Do you have a desktop lying around? Do you need it to be on all the time? That sort of thing. I think for, I think the simple solution is to go NAS, but it might not be the best one. This was a tough one. Yeah. I, 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 I guess wanna... I say I'm team NAS for like, oh, go on, Flo, sorry. No, I just wanted to say that this question came from my Discord and in which, by the way, if you're interested, I'll give you the link for that. But um my Discord, we often uh, complain about Synology drives dying on us. So that's why I'm like, I'm always worried about, you know, buying a media server just for. But Michelle, you said you do like, again, the Team NAS situation. Well, I think I'm, I'm Team NAS for if you're setting up a whole new, like, big Plex server mm -hmm. for yourself and basically want a home streaming service. If you're just going to watch your like soaps or whatever, or I use it for <laughs> J dramas that mm -hmm. I get through memes um, that aren't available through other streaming services, then, you know, I just, I use it to stream from my computer to my, you know, living room TV uh, and that that's pretty much all I use it for. So if you're using it for that, then I can't even see buying new hardware. But if I'm buying new hardware specifically for Plex, I guess I want to be future-proofed a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And buying, like, a big tower full of hard drives seems really 90s to me. Oh, so old school. <laughs> it's so hashtag computer aesthetics. Um Let's do one more question since that's all we've got time for. And I thought in honor of 420, this one would be really fun. And this one comes from a friend inside a cloud of smoke. And they ask, what vaporizer is right for most people? Phil and Michelle, I'd like to defer to you first to see if you have any. Oh, boy. <laughs> any suggestions? Hey, I do. <laughs> uh, let's go to Vapala. Uh, no, I'm not. 
I don't engage in that lifestyle, but I I support. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be going to Jersey on 421 to enjoy the the legal <laughs> the legal stuff. Uh, but no, I wouldn't know anything about this. I I too am am out of my depths here a little bit. However, at CES, Pax was handing out this tiny little vape mm-hmm. pen, and it was that came in wonderful colors, and you could customize it with whatever slogan name whatever you wanted on it with all sorts of fonts and Mm -hmm. it was wonderful so that one that's all i know and so that's the one i'll recommend (laughs) so from the aesthetics i like the the pen shaped ones more than like the boxes it feels weird to like use a box to me i feel like i want something as close to like the the cigarette experience as possible um Mm -hmm. especially because it's like and it just doesn't seem cool to me to hold a big 80s cell phone um, to to smoke out of, but. <laughs> True. And I do have to say a little caveat about the packs. At least, um, gosh, I can't remember which model it was. It, uh, da, 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 the packs. They all look the same. <laughs> the packs era is the one I'm thinking of, I think. And this one connects to your phone via Bluetooth. Um, I have that Pax. I call it Bill Pax. Rest in peace. Bill Paxton. That's good. Thank you. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I didn't I didn't um like the fact that I had to connect it to Bluetooth every time I wanted to use it. So I ended up reverting wow. to <laughs> mm-hmm, I re- ended up reverting to unconnected, right? Unconnected uh pods and what I really like, and this one has been a brand that's been blowing up lately. They're called Stizzy, S-T-I-I-Z-Y. Now, this, of course, is a brand that you'll only find in a state that legalizes the use of uh, cannabis. Um, But they, I like them because they just charge by micro USB. They're super small. They fit into a pocket, a purse, a, a bra, if you store things there some people do <laughs> um i mean i don't because no no i gotcha I just don't I have gotcha. enough <laughs> i had a friend in college who did that yeah. with everything and i was like i wish i had that confidence yeah that's what i want for exactly me, but... i wish i had room in there for that but i don't i just there's not <laughs> enough but um the other one i really like is called plug play and that one comes in really cool colors and um again these are unconnected we just don't buy a connected vaporizer. That's going to be the one thing that I want to leave with everybody. That's how I feel about that. I understand dosing and things like that, but there are pens that do that for you automatically. So let's not connect our vape pens this 420. I like the PSA. the non-connected recommendation, but but that micro micro USB kind of, that threw me off a little bit because I think the PAX is okay. USB-C. Phil. But- I just, I have to throw it out there. I'm trying to have the latest charging standard on my vape. It's okay. (laughs) I was just going to say, it's okay to charge your vape with the old charging standard. It's okay. It's, this is not a a battle you have to fight for this. If it doesn't have fast charge, I'm out. I mean, some people that might be very important. I don't want to have to plug it in the night before. (laughs) If I want to vape now, I want to be able to fast charge. (laughs) Uh, Phil, thank you so much for being here for this segment today. Um, I know we ran a little bit long, but I'm hoping that you will come back uh, and do this again sometime. And everybody, please send in questions to Phil. Please, please, please. Yeah, 
thanks for having me. And uh, I'm ho- hopefully I can help all of our listeners, all of our readers. That's the goal. That's that's all of our goals at uh, at, at Gizmodo. So uh, yeah, please send in, please send in your uh, your questions. Thank you for joining us, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now, Michelle, it is time for us to go gaga over something that you and I both really enjoy, and that's anime. I want to hear about your journey, Michelle. Tell me, how did your journey with anime start? Oh, my gosh. So I feel like I can't remember. I feel like the very first anime that I really paid attention to was uh, Dragon Ball Z way back mm-hmm. on like the Toonami run. But I was looking at mm-hmm. back a while ago and Pokemon came out after Dragon Ball Z, but the specific run of it I saw, I think might've aired after Pokemon started airing. So Pokemon might have been my first anime, but the anime that I remember like truly loving for the first time, because to be honest, I know this is sacrilege. I fell off Pokemon super quickly because of how like formulaic it was. Dragon Ball mm-hmm. Z was the anime that I first remembered, like, watching uh, religiously as a kid. And I was like, oh, my God, people, like, get hurt and and die? This is awesome. They're really willing <laughs> to do the stakes that friggin', I don't know, Rugrats won't. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I really loved it. And I grew to appreciate the wacky, jovial side of anime as I grew up. Uh, Digimon was another big one for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Again, like Pokemon, but with a more serial story. And then recently, I've actually been reading a lot of the Yu-Gi-Oh! manga. Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm-hmm. was one that I really liked as a kid that I didn't expect to like. So I was like, they're, I'm watching them play card games. How can that be entertain- entertaining? But now we're in the streaming age and I totally get it. You know, it's fun to see them land in a puzzle and think, oh, how are they going to get out of this one? Yeah, I think that the thing about anime is the story writing that you get as a child that I mean, like wa- watching Rugrats now, I totally see all the like adult jokes that they put in there for the parents and stuff. But there is a different kind of escape that you get from an anime, which is why, and I know this is very trite and cliche, but my first exposure to anime was Sailor Moon uh, in, you know, 1994. So I. No, Sailor Moon's I know. an all-time classic and banger. Uh, one of my other favorite anime, Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, I was mm-hmm. delighted when I learned that the writer for Yu Yu Hakusho is married to the writer for Sailor Moon. That's absolutely adorable. She worked Wait. on, she did art for Yu Yu Hakusho. Oh, wow. Uh, so the, they're like an anime family. 
Uh-huh. And that's the Hunter Hunter guy, too, which is, like, the super... It's, it's not that much of a deep cut, but people on Twitter will be like, you're not an anime fan unless you've seen Hunter Hunter. It's like, well, did you know Sailor Moon artist Naoko Takauchi worked on uh, Togashi with Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter? Ha! <laughs> well, and the other thing is she wouldn't have had the success with Sailor Moon if she were not in these circles, right? Because it's it's like our our Disney circles here in America. Like mm-hmm. if you're a Disney animator, you're you know, you're probably getting work within that scope. So I could see the same for anime. But the thing about like Sailor Moon was just the animation style it's back then so was good. just so cool. And the the <laughs> I'm going to show my my weebiness here, but the sakuga, which are the moments when, like, it gets really fluid for a second and they go, like, full frame rate movie style stuff uh, for, like, the special attacks and stuff, is so good. I loved Sailor Moon uh, when it came on as a kid, but for whatever reason, I didn't have the channel that showed Sailor Moon for the longest time. I think it was on UPN for me um. when I would come home before. Yeah. I, uh, what really helped me with Sailor Moon was that my friends were into it, which now those same friends I don't think are really aware of any of the new anime. Um, but what helped for me was. I would go to the library and that's how I discovered manga because they started, you know, as, as our generation started to watch more anime. They started to put manga in the library at school. And, mm-hmm. um, but I, I feel sad that I kind of fell off the anime train and I even married, I married a weeb. <laughs> I mean, when we start, when we started dating, okay, one of our best friends used to work for Viz Media. Just going to say. Oh. And then this was like back, way back when. And when we started dating, my husband was sleeping with an Inuyasha body pillow. Excuse oh me. God. Yes, Inuyasha body pillow. Inuyasha was my middle school obsession. And I actually went back and, and finished it recently. I got the Blu-rays over the pandemic for the the final season that they made separately from the original show. Wait, is it Inuyasha or is it Bleach with the little the the boy who has all the demons? Oh, that's that's Bleach or that could Thank be you. Soul Reaper. Inuyasha no, is the one Bleach. that's like Twilight, where she goes yeah. back in time and she has a bunch of demon boys fighting over her. Yes, sorry, it was Bleach, and I just want everybody to know that the reason my husband had it is because it was a really great pillow. Ah, uh, of course, so, of those course. body pillows. They're really good for sleeping. <laughs> they are. Sleep my mom's had one. Obviously, it wasn't like a character body pillow or whatever, but my mom had one, and that was my first introduction to body pillows. So when I heard, like, <laughs> the body pillows are embarrassing meme later on, I'm like, what? why? They're medically good for you. <laughs> I agree. Well, you know, it's like it was a freebie pillow from our friend, but it, yeah. Anyway, body pillows, if anybody's interested, yes, they, they creepily have cartoon characters on them but you mm-hmm. know what everybody's got a kink i love so. people living their their best lives you know <laughs> exactly. it doesn't hurt nobody um exactly but yeah shout out to school libraries for for including manga my school library was really good about that i read so much fruits basket through my school library mm-hmm. in high school mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was the early 2000s like 
you know, you would know who was into anime if they had one of those in their mm-hmm. backpack. And then I I had friends like slipping me Death Note uh, manga, of course, during math class and and lunch and whatever. You know, I I had my my progression from like you know Digimon to Death Note, no Digimon to Dragon Ball to Death Note, and now I watch like fun chill slice of life comedies like mm-hmm. um Nichi Joe or whatever where the joke is that you know she has a, a she chases her cat in a silly way for a little while and like I relate to that in my 30s that's so sweet mm-hmm. that's that's literally like literally that is the most happy for a lot of people is just like to come home and just like hang out with your cat Oh, there's actually a really good one. I was trying to think of like a specific Nichijo, the one I uh, name dropped there, gets really bizarre too. So it's like the most normal thing I can I can show to you. Uh, the the girl chasing the cat is a robot. Don't worry about it. Uh, so there's another one that I really like. Um, I actually, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it stars like an ex Yakuza guy, and uh, he marries like this. Uh, office lady who's not part of the crime world at all and he becomes uh oh it's called way of the house husband and she's like the breadwinner in their family and then he becomes like the quote-unquote homemaker if we're really going into gendered roles or whatever but uh and he's just like killer at it he makes like the best lunches he does the Mm -hmm. best cleaning but everyone assumes that he's like these gritty terrible unempathetic guy because of his past no he's actually a total sweetheart and i love him i love so much that you brought that up because i've actually seen that i was like wait a minute it's on they did the live action rendition on netflix by the yeah, way speaking actually of to bring us back to it that's on netflix that's what i go to netflix for now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of anime on netflix the sailor moon crystal which is the re it's like the uh the the viz redo of Sailor Moon. It's like the more that's on manga Netflix. accurate one, but okay, yes. But, <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm not trying watch... to be. Like, uh, you're no, not I a know. real. Fan. But no, it's, it's like no, if you're familiar with Dragon Ball Z Kai. I'm talking to the audience. Um, it, it like cuts out the filler <laughs> and stuff like that. But, but the, the filler art style is the isn't best. As cute. And I the agree. filler is the I best agree. in Sailor Moon, which, by the way, is on Hulu, the original series for anybody who wants to go watch it. Um, not the deep dubs, because those you have to find somewhere in the dark depths of the internet. Sorry, <laughs> oh God, can we cut? The- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Fun fact, by the way, and I feel like this is a good note for us to end on. This is a tip from me, is that if you miss old Toonami and you want to see the original broadcasts of Toonami, sometimes you can find them in the uh, internet database. I have downloaded a couple of like Toonami broadcasts that were archived there of when Sailor Moon was brought back to Cartoon Network. So, but I'm a weirdo and I like to archive things digitally. (laughs) (laughs) There's our our service journalism for the day. Sometimes on YouTube, Toonami posts like their video game reviews that they did and they're like inspirational speeches i don't want to belabor the point but tanami used to like cut together moments from all of its anime to make like after school psas about like Mm -hmm. bullying and dealing with anger and stuff and it'll show like vegeta be like kakarot and then it'll say like sometimes a friend can push you to places you never knew before (laughs) 
I mean, that's true. And p- at least anime will teach you that. Hmm? Yeah. I don't see American TV teaching me that. Hmm? <laughs> I like Steven Universe. <sighs> oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. God. The new Mickey Mouse shorts <sighs> are actually so unhinged. They're great. But that that's another topic entirely. I know. I, I'm sad because I want to get more into it with you, but we have to end the show. And this is such a good place for us, though, I feel, because now when we go back to the Slack chat, you and I have things to waste time on. Yeah. <laughs> I love to, Perfect. I love to Slack at work. And, and now there's an app for, there's an app for that. <laughs> um, well, Michelle, how can people find you on the internet if they want to find out where you are, see, where your work is sure uh so i have a byline at gizmodo right now uh i just started so it's kind of not very full right now but i have been working uh in editing this awesome team uh so you can find my byline at gizmodo and hopefully i'll fill it up soon otherwise you can find me at shell Earhart on twitter.com which is just my name with the mi cut off um C-H-E-L-L-E-E-H-R-H-A-R-D-T. I figured I'd spell it just because it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then sometimes you can find me on Twitch at One Hip Cat. Um, kind of like I'm at a jazz bar. Like, hey, you're One Hip Cat. Uh, oh, God. I've said I said that it. out loud now. Um, <laughs> but that's only very occasional. And then you can find my bylines, you know, at various sites that I've worked at before that I mentioned earlier in the show. Thank you, Michelle, and thank you for making my words sound good uh, since you started here last week. (laughs) (laughs) Your words always sound good. You have the flow. Thank you, Michelle. Oh, fun fact, by the way, Michelle is my middle name. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. So... Uh, All right. Well, before we go, I want to thank our producer and sound engineer, Ryan Allen, for listening to us every week and making us sound good and editing us down so we sound even better in your ears. We also want to thank our cover designer, Vicky Lita, who is out there making pretty art and who made our beautiful art for this show, the Gadgets Podcast. Remember, if you have questions for us, we're going to start doing these episodes a little more often. So feel free to ask us for any buying advice. Maybe if we can't get to it, we'll uh, funnel you to Phil. Gadgets at gizmodo.com. You can also tweet us at gizmodo. That's where we are on Twitter. Or find me on social media at ohthatflow. And Michelle, if you would like to let people know your handle again. Uh, My Twitter handle is Shell Earhart. It's like Michelle, but with the MI cut off. Perfect. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, leaving us a review helps us immensely. Until next week, everybody, be safe, be healthy, be happy. Have a great week. Bye, everyone. Nice to meet you. <laughs>